Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Epic. If you're new with us, my name's Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And today we're starting a brand new series that I'm really excited about. But before I tell you about that, let me tell you what else is happening after the service. So after the service, we are having our informational meeting for our January 2020 trip to Israel. So if you've ever wanted to go to the Holy Land, to walk where Jesus walked, kind of see where he spent some time growing up, see where he started his ministry, then this could possibly be your opportunity. It's a 10-day trip, and uh, we're going to go to places like Bethlehem and see where Jesus possibly was born. We're going to spend a little bit of time in Nazareth, see a little bit of, of the the community that he spent some time growing up in. We'll go to uh, around the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus started his ministry and invited a number of his disciples to come follow him. We will spend a little bit of time, if you like to uh, be in cold water experiences, we'll be in the Jordan River. And if you would like to be baptized or rebaptized there, you could do that. Um, if you've ever been curious to, to see what it feels like to float in kerosene, we will be at the Dead Sea. And uh, it's kind of a weird experience, but it's a very memorable experience. And so we'll spend a little bit of time around that. And we end that trip in a very special way, going to the Garden Tomb, one of the possible places that Jesus stepped out of uh, after his death as he rose from the grave. Uh, So amazing experience. If you've ever wanted to do this, uh, we've got the information that'll happen uh, right after the service. And you'll get a chance to meet Dr. Grant. Dr. Grant is our guide for this trip. He's been on this trip over 125 times, so he knows a whole lot about that experience and how to make it a very memorable experience for all of us. So again, if you're interested, after the service, check that out over in the teacher's lounge, my right, your left, across from the ladies' restroom. Okay, so for the series that we're starting today, it's called Stand in the Gap. And it's based on one very challenging and humbling verse found in the Old Testament part of the Bible, Ezekiel chapter 22. So I want you to hear what God says. This is God speaking in this moment uh, of history. So God says in Ezekiel 22, verse 30, said, I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. Now, let me give you a little context of what God was saying here and who he was saying it to. So God spoke this statement around 590 BC, and he spoke it to a group of people known as Judah, the people of Judah. And let me tell you kind of where that group came from. If we back up in Israel's history and we go back to their first king, that was Saul, Saul led that kingdom, and there was one kingdom at that time. And then the second king was David, and then the third king was Solomon. And because of Solomon, some of his rebellion, God said, when your son comes along and your son takes over the kingdom, the kingdom's going to be split into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. So the northern kingdom was Israel. The southern kingdom was known as Judah. God was speaking to the people of Judah, the kingdom of Judah at that time frame. And the reason he was saying this was because um, in that community, in that kingdom at that time, there was all kinds of corruption. Everybody did whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. They, they disobeyed God on a regular basis. They didn't take care of each other. The political leaders extorted large amounts of money from their people. Uh, the people did whatever they wanted to advance in life. Even the priests led their people away from God. 
and murder, sexual depravity, corruption of all kinds were at an all-time high. And because of that, God allowed them to be taken captive to the Babylonians. So the Babylonians under King Nebuchadnezzar came, defeated them in battle, and took many of them away to Babylon to live as captives. And God used a man named Ezekiel to speak to those captives. Now, an interesting thing about Ezekiel, if you know anything about that story in the Bible, is that he was a contemporary of Daniel. So if you know of Daniel's story, if you know the story of Daniel in the lion's den, that's the Daniel we're talking about. And Ezekiel and Daniel were contemporaries. Now, Daniel ended up serving the king in his royal court, but Ezekiel ended up serving the captives. So he was a captive preaching to captives, and they lived very different lives. But one of the things that Ezekiel did in his ministry to those Jews that were in captivity was he would remind them of why they had gotten into that spot in the first place, and it was because of their rebellion. The rebellion against God had led them in that spot, and so he regularly told them that and what was going to happen next because of their rebellion. Can you imagine how popular of a guy he was? Like nobody really wanted to see Ezekiel or hear the message that Ezekiel had because he was regularly telling them what they did to get in that spot. But he played a super important role in pointing them back to God, even in those moments when they didn't want to turn back to God. And even in captivity, there were many moments that they didn't want to turn back to God. Now, people like Ezekiel can play a super important role in our lives because if we don't learn lessons when we end up in bad places, If we don't listen to people who try to guide us towards truth, we'll end up in that same bad place again and again and again. Anybody been there? Anybody willing to admit besides me? Anybody without your hand raised should have your hand raised because there are many moments that we don't want to hear what anybody else has to say. We're going to figure it out all by ourselves, even though it leads us right back to that same spot and we scratch our heads and go, how did I get here again? Oh, well, we didn't learn the lesson. We didn't learn what we should have learned in order to move on to a a better path in life. And so people like Ezekiel can play an important role in our lives. Now, we're going to learn in this series uh, what it means for us to step up and stand in the gap. We're going to learn what it looks like for us to do that today. We're going to learn a little bit about some of the gaps that are out there. We're going to talk about the struggles that we have with standing in the gaps. And we're going to talk about why standing in the gap is so important to God. So let me give you a little bit more context of what God was saying in Ezekiel 22:30. So in this verse, he said, I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall. So in ancient days, walls around cities were very important. So if you lived in a city that had a fortified wall around it, that provided large amounts of safety and protection for you. Uh, In battle, there would be people that would live outside of those cities. And if there was another uh, kingdom that was coming to defeat you or trying to fight a, a city or a kingdom in battle, everybody would move into that kingdom move inside of those walls. And if those walls were strong, those people would be safer. But if those walls were weak, 
or if those walls weren't high enough, if those walls could be breached or knocked over in battle, then the people that lived inside of those cities could be easily defeated. And you think about some of the horrors that could happen in that context where uh, many people could be ruthlessly murdered, could be taken away as captives, uh, women could be raped, uh, all kinds of horrible things done to children. And so walls were super important in ancient days. So I, I want you to kind of get a visual understanding of that. And to kind of help with that, I brought a video clip with me today for, for us to see the importance of walls. So take a look at this. Uh, anybody have an urge to watch Lord of the Ring this afternoon? So maybe a few of you. Um, so I know that's Hollywood, but that just gives us a, an understanding of why walls were so important. And here's what would happen if in battle, uh, a kingdom was under attack, what a king would expect his soldiers to do is if one of their walls was breached, or if that wall was knocked down and there was then a gap in that wall, a king would expect that his soldiers would stand up and stand in that gap and make a physical wall with their bodies. So kind of like this. So we've got these walls, these four walls up here this morning. We've got a gap in this, in this wall. So it'd be kind of like this. A king would expect that a soldier or multiple soldiers would stand up, stand in the gap, and create a physical wall for protection of the people. Again, these walls meant literal protection. It meant literal life or death for the people who were being protected by the wall. And the king would expect that his soldiers would stand up and stand in the gap on their behalf. Now, if a soldier was defeated, was killed by standing in that gap, the king would expect another soldier or other soldiers to stand up and stand in the gap. It was a suicide mission. But what it meant for the people in the city was probably life. And I've got an extra prop here because you know this picture isn't complete yet. So I brought with me my Braveheart sword. So, you know, this is a little bit better picture, and I think every guy should have one of these. And Christmas is coming, ladies. I just want you to know that this would be a great gift to get one of your men. All right, so again, this is the context of this verse, of standing in the gap in the wall to provide physical protection for people who are behind the wall. Now, I don't think any of us would have a problem with this in the context of our own lives and our own relationships. So I want you to imagine with me that uh, you have a family and maybe you have children at home. And I want you to imagine that somebody one night breaks into your home with the intent of kidnapping one of your kids and you meet them at the doorway to your kid's bedroom. So I don't think any of us would have a problem. I don't care who you are. I don't think any of us would have a problem standing in the gap in that doorway and doing everything we can to protect those that we love, even if it means our lives. I've got um, four kids, my wife, my four kids uh, in my immediate family, a lot of folks, family members and friends that I love, and I would have no problem doing that for them. I would have no problem sacrificing my life if it meant that it would buy a little bit more time so one of our great sheriff deputies could come and, and help uh, provide safety and security to my home, like I would have no problem with that. I've got a little grandson going to be born here like any day or any week. And like, I don't even know the dude, but I'm like super excited for him to enter this world. And I would have no problem doing that for him. I don't think any of us would. But that's what God's looking for from us that are Christ followers. God's looking for people who will stand up 
and stand in the wall to protect those that God loves, even if it means sacrificing sometimes. Now, I know that we don't live behind walls like they did in the ancient days, but there are all kinds of walls around us that are broken down, that have gaps in them everywhere, walls that should provide protection to people, but don't provide that protection or much protection anymore. Gaps in walls that should provide protection today look like this. Looks like a single parent who is doing everything they can to provide for their children physically, emotionally, spiritually, but they are struggling to do all that's on their plate. It looks like young boys and girls growing up without the spiritual guidance that they need, and that is leading them into some things that they should never be involved in, things that are pulling them away from the God who loves them. It looks like children who can't excel in school or life simply because they can't read. You know, we have people in our own community, we have children in our community that can't read, that struggle in school, which means they're going to struggle in life simply because they can't read. It looks like people around the world who don't have access to basic things that we take for granted on a regular basis, like clean water. Every time we step in the shower, every time we turn the faucet on, like, we don't realize what a privilege that is that many people around the world don't have. And it, so it looks like that. It looks like racism. It looks like sexism. It looks like human trafficking. It looks like drug addiction and poverty and the breakdown of God's design for life and marriage and family. It looks like people who don't know how much God loves them simply because Christ followers around them aren't showing them. There's all kinds of walls around us that are falling down. There's all kinds of gaps in those walls. And God wants us to see those gaps and then to step up, stand in those gaps, and to do something about them. Now, we can't stand in all the gaps that are out there. There are so many. But we can stand in one gap. We can stand in a few gaps. We can make a real difference for some people that are in need. I want you to listen to a story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 10. And it's a story that Jesus used to describe what it means for us to stand up and stand in the gap on behalf of other people. And it's actually a story that Jesus used to describe how we can fulfill the two greatest commandments of loving God and loving people. So in the context of this story, Jesus is interacting with some people, one person specifically who asks him a question, and he answers that question with a story. So listen to what it says. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. It says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Again, he didn't really want to hear Jesus' answer. He just wanted to put Jesus in a spot where he would be tested, and hopefully they could catch him in something they could use against him. So Jesus replied with a story. He said, a Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. And by chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Verse 33. 
Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he could take care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Then Jesus asks, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Now, got to explain why Jesus' audience would have a really hard time with this story, have a really hard time doing what Jesus said, go and do the same. And it was because the hero of the story was a Samaritan. And I've explained over the past probably, I don't know, two or uh, two to four weeks, a little bit more about Samaritans. But if you're new to us or you're new to, to the Bible, a Samaritan was somebody who intermarried with another faith, uh, another culture, another faith system. Uh, somebody who did not worship God, worshiped other gods. And pure-blooded Jews believed that was so horrible, they didn't want to have anything to do with the Samaritan. So they wouldn't interact with them. They didn't want to talk with them. They wanted to avoid their towns at all costs. And Jesus made a Samaritan the hero of the story. And this despised Samaritan did what Jesus recommends that all of us do and show genuine love for God and genuine compassion for people in need. So this Samaritan, he not only saw a need, but he met that need. He did what he could to meet that need. He bandaged this guy's wounds, put him on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he could take better care of him, and then he spent some of his own money to help this guy get the care that he needed. And Jesus, again, used this guy as an example for us. And Jesus told us in verse 33 what prompted him to, to get involved in this issue that he saw, uh, this uh, gap, this man in need. And it was his compassion. So in verse 33, Jesus said, when the Samaritan saw the man in need, he felt compassion for him. And compassion is one of those defining characteristics of people that God is looking for who are willing to stand up and stand in the gap. Um, but as I was working on this message, I, I did some research on compassion, and I looked up some definitions that we have for compassion, and I felt like the English definitions that we have just kind of fell short of a biblical definition. So here's what in one of our English uh, dictionaries, how they define compassion. They define it like this. It's sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. Sympathetic pity. So as I read that, I felt like, man, that just falls short of that biblical definition. And the reason is we can be sympathetic towards other people. We can have pity on other people and do nothing to help them. That's not a biblical understanding of compassion. That's not what Jesus is talking about in this story. So a biblical understanding is about seeing a need, feeling deeply about that need, feeling deep passion. So compassion means with passion, feeling deep passion to meet that need, and then doing something to meet the need. It's actually about action. So compassion is about being involved and turning your emotion into an action that will help somebody in need. So I think that's what Jesus was highlighting when he was trying to help us understand who God is looking for. 
When he says, I'm looking for somebody to stand up and stand in the gap for other people, somebody who sees a need, somebody who feels deeply about meeting that need, and then somebody who does something to meet that need. But here's where many of us struggle, myself included. Um, There are many moments that, that we hesitate to meet real needs. We hesitate to stand up and stand the gap for other people, even when we see a legitimate need. And I think there are many reasons why we do that. Sometimes it's because we don't know what to do. There are moments we see a need and we're like, I have no idea how to help that person. And we don't follow up to try to figure out what we could do or what some options are of how we could stand in the gap for that moment in that time. There are other times that we are kind of like the priest in the story, where like we're just too busy. Like we see a need, we're just way too busy, got too much stuff on our calendar. We're hoping somebody else will help out because we just don't have the time. There are other times I think we're a little bit like the temple assistant. We're curious about people's needs. And so, you know, you see somebody beat up in life and you kind of want to get close to kind of see like what's going on, what caused this? Maybe it's for our own gossip that we want to, you know, kind of share the news of what we saw in somebody else's life. We get a little bit close and then like, whoa, 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 too much going on there. I don't want to be inconvenienced with that. I got a lot going on in my life. Like I'll just leave that there and then we pass on by. And I think there are some moments that we don't act because we don't care. There are moments we see somebody in great need and we're just like, sucks to be them. Like, I just got too much going on in my life. I'm too busy. I don't care. And we move on uh, in our lives. And, and we miss opportunities to serve people in legitimate need. So listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 25. And this is really kind of a humbling statement that he says. In this statement, in this passage, he's gonna describe a day in the future when we'll all stare into the eyes of a holy God and uh, really listen from him about how we've lived our lives. And the Bible says that we will give an account for the lives that we've lived. And so listen to how Jesus summarizes that. In uh, Matthew 25, verse 31, Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, he's talking about himself, When I come back in my glory and all the angels uh, with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom and prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. So when we stand up and stand in the gap for somebody in need, when we take action, God considers that we are actually doing that for him. We're actually meeting his needs. And he actually sets aside eternal rewards for those of us who do that. And I wonder how many opportunities I've missed in my own life to serve God by serving other people because I've been too busy. 
or I didn't want to be inconvenienced, or I didn't really care. And I wonder for you the same thing. I think there's all kinds of opportunities that we have to stand up and stand in the gap for somebody in need. And I think that there are many opportunities that we miss and we don't recognize that we're like, that's an opportunity to serve somebody on God's behalf. This past week, I got a phone call from a friend of mine about several other friends of mine. And the person said, uh, listen, these friends of ours, they're in a rough spot right now. Like it's a really rough spot. And this person didn't say this, but kind of this is the context of what they were asking for was like, hey, would you help me stand in the gap for them? Would you help me stand up and provide a wall of protection for them? And the reality is for, for my couple of my friends, like this is such a rough time. Like there's some huge implications of how this thing unfolds. And so I was invited to stand up and stand in the gap. And we're trying to figure out how to do that. Man, I would love to do that. I don't exactly know what that looks like right now, um, but let's learn together. So together, we are learning how to do this for a couple of friends that are in great need right now. But I wonder in your life, who around you is in great need? Who around you has a wall that should be protecting them, but it's not there, it's broken down, and there's a big gap, and right now they're under attack. They're being attacked, they're being defeated. Who around you, maybe in your home, maybe in the neighborhood that you live in, maybe at work, maybe at school, like who around you is in such need and they're just desperate for somebody to step up and to stand in the gap for them. I want to turn that around for just a moment. I think we've all had these moments in life when we've been in that spot, when we've been in need of somebody else standing up to help us. And in those moments, like I think about some of the moments for me, there are moments I'm thinking, Lord, would you just provide somebody to stand up, to be courageous enough to have compassion, turn it into action, and stand up to help me in this moment? So when we are in that moment, we're looking for somebody to do that. You could be that for somebody. Like you could be that answer to prayer for somebody who is in that spot. So who around you has got a broken wall around them, who's got a gap there that needs somebody to stand up and stand in? Let's go back to what God said. Ezekiel 22, verse 30. God said, I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land, I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. That last sentence is very humbling to me. God looked for someone to do what we've talked about this morning, to stand up and to defend the people that he loves and to guide them back towards him, and he found no one. And I don't know why he couldn't find anybody. I don't know if they were too busy. I don't know if they didn't know what to do. I don't know if they didn't care, but the reality is God is still looking for people who will stand up, stand in the wall, make a wall of protection for people that he loves. And the question is, will you and I be those people? Will you and I not only see needs, that's easy, anybody can if we open our eyes, needs all around us. Will you and I step beyond that, 
step beyond just feeling deep uh, compassion for people, but we'll turn that compassion into action and we will actually do something to help somebody who has a broken wall around them. Think about that as we watch this closing music video. So this week, let's look for opportunities to meet other people's needs and not just see a need, but do all that we can to meet needs and to be the one that stands up and stands in the gap for somebody who God loves. And that's everybody. So let's pray together. God, I just admit again that uh, this verse out of Ezekiel is so challenging and humbling to me. Lord, there's all kinds of walls around us in our own community and around our world that are broken down, walls that should provide protection and, and safety. And yet those walls aren't doing that. Those walls are broken down. There's gaps in those walls. And there's people that, that you love that are being defeated, being attacked. And Lord, you're asking for your followers to stand up, stand in the gap. You're still looking for people to do that. And Lord, I pray that we would be that kind of people. We would be that kind of church that we wouldn't just see needs. We wouldn't just be sympathetic to people's needs. But Lord, we would feel such deep passion for you and others that we would turn that passion into action. And we would do what we can to help somebody in need. Help us to see those opportunities, Lord. And and give us ideas for what we can do in those moments to help those people. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody, thanks for being here today. And uh, if you're interested in our Israel trip, that meeting's happening right now. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.